the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Um, Boof, wow. Inappropriate is the beginning of the the, uh, conversation, and outrageous is the end. Uh, A juror from a recent January 6th trial in Washington, D.C.'s federal district court did a 90-minute interview with Brian Lamb of C-SPAN. And if you listen to it, you will be, I think, very concerned, very concerned, let's say that. The woman is identified as a woman named Ellen. Ellen, no last name. It's done on Brian Lamb's podcast, so it's not on TV. It's not on video. It's just audio. And uh, in the recent case, um, a number of defendants were convicted by the jury. And juror Ellen recounts in 90 minutes of this podcast why she did what she did, how she persuaded the jury, all kinds of things. And while I'm not sure that anything that is said uh, rises to the level of anything Ill- illegal, it certainly feels unethical. It feels inappropriate. It feels slimy. It feels condescending. It feels terrible. It feels terrible. Well, welcome to the Pro-America Report. I'm Ed Martin, and uh, great to be with you. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, and track uh, what is happening. Uh, we will talk in a few moments. We've got a couple of great guests, as always, uh, including uh, Michael Volpe, uh, my friend, who has a piece on what California is doing to diminish uh, the control that parents have over their children by by putting their thumb on the scale uh, when it comes to transgender and and you'll see you'll hear uh, what Michael is writing about investigating uh, uh, and uh, it's worrying. Uh, we'll also check in with uh, Dan Schneider of the um, of the MRC's Free Speech America project uh, and the Media Research Center, of course, tracks uh, the liberal media and what they do. And Dan Schneider will join us. Uh, the outrageous thing again outrage everywhere i guess it's what they want us to think about but this outrage is the irs visiting uh matt taibbi on the day he's testifying before congress they come to his house uh, pretty crazy but we'll see but but first what you need to know i, I just can't tell you how disturbing this story is I made the mistake of of waking up early this morning and uh, i decided to listen to this podcast when i noticed it politico is covering the story and they're covering it. They say, oh, jury in the recent uh, trial reveals the secrets from the deliberation room. But when you listen to it, it's it's terrible. It's terrible. Her condescension, her dismissiveness, her whole attitude is just terrible. The language she uses. And she reveals that she and another juror who uh, uh, is a lawyer who worked at the Department of Justice in the past. So these two jurors, both women, and they deci- they persuaded the others to convict, convict, convict. And the, the woman speaking, Ellen, is doing this interview with Brian Lamb, says, I don't think either of us should have been on the jury because she herself is a journalist, self-described, 
who worked at C-SPAN and CNN. And the other juror who did the persuading was a lawyer at DOJ. Think about it. I I, got to tell you, when you hear this, it will not give you confidence in our system. It will not give you confidence in your uh, fellow man and woman in this case. It is really, truly terrible. And now I know up on Capitol Hill that some of the members of Congress are looking at this already. I know Julie Kelly, I sent her this in the morning. She was listening to it uh, by early morning, too. And she's going to write on it. Judge Meta, M-E-H-T-A, is the judge that allowed this to happen, allowed these jurors to serve. And while I respect the fact that people have free speech and the jurors should have free speech, too, it is outrageous that she... Ellen thinks it's appropriate to act like this. The um, it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, the the reality is that it is uh, that it is a absolute betrayal, absolute betrayal of the people in this in this in the Washington District uh, court system, and especially the people on trial. Uh, it, it's just stunning. It's almost has to be listened to to believe. And again, I'm not sure that there's anything illegal. I'm not sure that there's anything illegal about it. I, I, there's nothing I, I can't sense. I can't even figure it out. But And I'm not even sure that it's a violation of any of the court rules because the case is over. But it certainly violates the spirit. And when you hear her talk about how she and the other juror persuaded people to vote the way she wanted... And one of the things that's so devastating to me is I've told you over and over again, one of the charges, it's a felony charge that has been used for the first time in history against these defendants is a charge of felony obstruction of a, of a uh, obstruction of an official proceeding. And th- that has never been used the way it's being used. It was used for witness tampering in the past and suborning perjury. Now it's being used for interrupting the Congress in action. And she says it's a felony, 20 years in prison for it, maximum term, I think. And this juror says, oh, yeah, no brainer. <laughs> of course, they, yeah, obviously they were there and, um, you know, and so and Congress was interrupted. There you go. Felony. Never meant to be charged that way. Never meant to be used that way. And she just tosses it off like it's nothing. It's terrible. It's terrible. Here's my prediction, though, and I'll finish with this. What you need to know is this will be a bad story uh, for the judge, Judge Maida, it'll be a bad story for the jury and this woman. It will be a bad story for all of the prosecutions of the January 6th. This is not going to reflect well on people. It is not going to fl- reflect well on the system. It won't turn out well for them, even though she was as confident as anybody just acting like, oh, look at me. I'm going to tell you all that that happened behind closed doors in these secret deliberations. Oof. Not good. All right, we got to run. We take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Time to catch up with uh, my friend, Michael Volpe. And every time I get an email from him, I end up looking at it and ending up getting drawn in and spending more time than I expected. That happened again uh, earlier today. He sent me an email. He said, hey, check this out. I ended up uh, reading a couple of his posts. He's over at michaelvolpe.substack.com. Michaelvolpe, V-O-L-P-E.substack.com. Investigative journalist, a guy who has 
has uh, uh, spent a bunch of his career figuring out what's actually going on, not just what we're being told. And so welcome back, Michael. How are you? Pretty good. How's it going with you? Uh, I'm doing fine. So what you sent me today, and then I, like I told you, I got down to a couple other things, was a, a bill that is, uh, I, I guess it's not... Um, it's been filed and it's being debated out in California, right? Which doesn't mean mm-hmm. how it doesn't. We're not sure how far that means it'll go. But walk us through AB nine fifty seven uh, in the California, I guess, General Assembly right now. Right. And so, what this bill is going to do is, if a child is going through gender dysphoria and they uh, want to be addressed by the other gender, so if I uh, if it's Sam a boy and he wants to now be a girl and wants to be called Jane, what the bill will do is if you as the parent are not going along with that, it will be considered as not in the best interest of the child. And so this is the key uh, language in the bill. This bill would require the court to strongly consider that affirming a minor's gender identity is in the best interest of the child if a non-consenting parent objects to a name change to conform to the minor's gender identity. So in the best interest of the child, that uh, that that's important language because that's like the governing legal standard, which, of course, is extremely subjective. But if you ever read any kind of orders or motions having a a child custody, that term in the best interest of the child will probably come up many different times. So when they say that affirming the minor's gender identity is in the best interest of the child, what they mean is if you are not affirming the minor's gender identity, you are the less fit parent. So it's, you know, the the language is vague enough. So it's not saying 100% and it requires to strongly consider. So it obviously isn't a, like a shell, but it's very, very close to shell. Uh, Consider the affirming of the minor's gender identity. This language will mean that in the event that there, there is a, child that wants to be the different gender, the parent that doesn't go along is probably going to lose some to all custody because they're going to be deemed less fit because they're not go- doing what's in the best interest of the child. So this is this is interesting, right? This is, I mean, this is a further erosion. And and again, we're talking with Michael Volpe, michaelvolpe.substack.com. Uh, and uh, I mean, this would be e- easy to describe as a further erosion of parents' rights, right? I mean, at this point, you're basically saying a child can say X, if child, if said child has been influenced by the teacher at school or by the television, it doesn't matter what the parents say. I mean, in other words, it doesn't. The law doesn't have to say all that. What it basically does, though, is drive the preference that way. And what the, I think, Michael, what you've taught me, and what we hear a lot is, you end up in a courtroom where a judge is basically deciding in favor of uh, of sort of managing family life. That's that's exactly right. Uh, though, well, what's specific here is that the California legislature wants it as law to say that if right. the child is, is suffering from gender dysphoria and now wants to go from Sam to Jane, that unlo- if you are not going along with that, if you don't call Sam Jane, you are less fit because you are not 
doing what's in the best interest of the child. That's the, the key language. Uh, and that's what they want to be in the law. So the parent that's going along will almost certainly get custody, at least physical custody. Who knows how any specific judge will will actually interpret this because there's nothing it, it gives enough wiggle room it says to strongly consider so the court doesn't have to consider but I obviously if you get enough of these cases more more times than not it will consider I and you if you're living in California are going to probably lose custody and this is a part of a larger culture war because uh, states like Texas um, and uh, and Christy Noam, I can't. I, uh, South, Dakota, South, no, South, South Dakota, South Dakota. She's yep, yep. passed. Now, what they've passed is that you can't, for children, um, get any of these uh, like, like puberty blockers or anything like that. They right. they've not actually weighed in on this specific thing. So there's no there's no law in a red state that says if a child is going through gender dysphoria, it's in the best interest of the child for you to encourage them to keep their original gender. Uh, so we haven't seen that yet, but I think we, we are seeing a culture war surrounding the trans issue and, and custody is definitely going to be a part of that. Well, and, and, let, me, and let me, let me explain even better, Michael. I mean, you, you, you're an expert on this and, and you've taught me, but I mean, to, to dumb it down, um, California already has a bill, right? Senate bill 107, which is an amnesty bill says if you're a parent and you run from a red state, where let's so let's say you're a mom in a red state where or not forget a mom in a red state just say you're a mom in another state and and mm-hmm. that state says well and you get a divorce or you're in a custody battle mom and dad are are talking about how to work on the rights of the child in terms of managing that custody and in right now you can run to California I correct me if I overstate this and and the there's protection amnesty for the mom, if she goes there to let her kid have a transgender surgery, and now you've got another one here where if you go to California and you, I'm sure you'd get into a legal fight then where the court, you go into court, and you say, Your Honor, my husband won't let my, uh, my ex-husband won't let my, won't address my child by the new gender that he, he slash she wants. And the court would say, well, that's going against the, the interests of the kid. And it, lo and behold, you're finding that you're losing your rights again, right? Am I, or am I overstating that? I mean, my point in this is that it, what California does in California doesn't not, doesn't completely, um, leave you alone if you're living mm-hmm. in America. Correct. Well, not, not only that, but more importantly, it, it's weighing in on one side. What is Yes, it, right, right. Other states aren't taking a position yet, though, you know, don't be surprised if a red state goes the exact opposite way. Um, well, what, what, what they're saying in California is you better go along because we're treating this as not in the best interest of the child if you don't go along. Right. So right. if your nine-year-old suddenly wants to be a girl and wants to be called Jane, you better start calling him Jane and, and referring to him as her because we think it's not in the best interest of the child for you not to. Uh, and that, that you're right. It, it absolutely infringes on parental rights. But look, this is... Um, it's tricky because when when mom and dad aren't living together, uh, if one parent wants one thing and the other parent wants another thing, it's not that easy to decide. So mm-hmm. somebody at some point has to step in and be a decision maker. 
So if one parent is desperate to have the child become the other gender and the other parent doesn't uh, and they're not living together, uh, what do you do? Um, and that that's what these laws are starting to that, that are starting to pop up in both red and blue states. That's what they're addressing. But this is only the beginning of this culture war. Uh, and, Michael, and, M- Michael Volpe is our guest, uh, investigative reporter, michaelvolpe.substack.com. A lot there. If you go to the site, I'm on it right now. Um, particularly has, uh, has dug into, um, many of these, uh, family courts and many of the issues around, uh, custody as well as divorce and how things that were, what I would say, Michael, I don't know if you characterize it this way, where the, the feminists have gotten a hold of things and, and really changed and distorted things. But on this transgender question, um, you, you refer to, and I, I think a couple of stories on your Substack again uh uh interviews there uh one about um this this uh um uh jo- you, you interviewed Joanna uh Rivera and um tell tell me a little bit about that story and what you found all right so her her two daughters one has graduated through the high school but they've both gone to this posh uh Northern California high school called the, the Marin school which is a private school they've been court ordered to go there a custody judge has the, a judge deciding their custody has said that they should, that they are required to go there. And this school is pushing the tr- transgender uh, agenda. They, they didn't write the flyer, but they promoted the flyer on, on at least their Instagram for another transgender school that was says, quote, calling all tr- gen- gender expansive middle schoolers. Not sure what that means. I don't think it's good. Uh, this school replaced the American flag with a pride flag. They have gender-neutral bathrooms. Uh, there's these Legos with the pride colors just uh, pushing the trans agenda. Both her daughters are going through gender dysphoria. One of them apparently has started the actual chemical change. The other one calls herself asexual. Why is this happening? In my opinion, it's because her ex-husband is physically abusive and he's gotten the sole custody in a uh, very confusing and complicated way. He's misused uh, protective orders. But the main reason he's been able to do this is because he, his name is Dave Hillard, was a former executive at Cisco, one of probably the top 10 at Cisco at one point. Mm. And he's used his money and influence to essentially buy custody. And they've allowed him to do this. And he, he, he wrote a, like a how-to manual on killing your family, uh, he's physically abused uh, Joanna during their marriage, and, and I believe he's been abusive towards the kids. And so it's not surprising that they're both going through gender dysphoria. And then on top of it, they're being sent to a school that's just pushing it, mm. pushing this gender stuff. And so that's the outcome. It is. Uh, and, you know, again, I guess the part of the problem is um, a lot of people, uh, the woke groups, uh, people, um don't object to this, right? I mean, when you write about it, there's a whole bunch of people in these schools and other places that are mm-hmm. not objecting. And I, I, maybe they don't know that's part of the problem, but a bunch of them do know and they just aren't objecting. I, it's, it's, it's easier just to go along and get along. Right. Well, it depends on where it's happening. I, I'm pretty sure that a high school in South Dakota and Texas and probably Florida, right. Right. they, there would be a lot more objection. This is Northern California. He was at Cisco, Silicon Valley. Right. There's a lot less objection. They, they, they may look the parents in that case may even like it. Oh my, you know, they want to be inclusive. They want to be tolerant. And, and, 
I inclusion and tolerance is good. You know, I, I thought back to the way we the the kids who didn't fit in, um, at least in my high school and, and it's Glenbrook North, which was the the inspiration for the Breakfast Club and many others. That's where oh. John Hughes, the director, went. Oh. Uh, but um, you know, people kids who were different were were made fun of, abused, a whole bunch of things. And if somebody had come to them and said, you're okay, it might be better. But this sort of takes the the pendulum and swings it the other way. I think it's good to not judge and be tolerant, but to encourage kids going through gender dysphoria to say um, that you should just go along with it. And if if a nine or 10 or even a 13 year old now suddenly wants to be called a name for the other sex, that it's in the best interest of the child for the parent to go along. Now you've swung the pendulum the other way. Yeah. And, uh, well, and, 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 and I think, uh, again, Michael Volpe's our guest, uh, his, his, uh, substack, michaelvolpe.substack.com. Um, there is something about all this that is deeply disturbing in general but then you say to yourself well we've got court ordered school for kids into a place that looks really unhealthy we've got laws being contemplated and perhaps passed i think it's probably likely in california that will require as you point out it's not requiring that you be tolerant that's too easy it's saying you will if you're in a custody dispute you will have your custody rights diminished if you don't have this uh, position. If you don't right. take this action, I mean, it's 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 sort of more duplicitous. That it would be cleaner if it was just up front and said, you know, yeah, we're going to ban you if you have this position. But they wouldn't get away with that. And so, you know, if you're someone who is opposed to this stuff, you wouldn't be, you couldn't be banned. But that what they can do is make it so that the the deck is stacked against you in ways that are profoundly uh, hurtful for a family and then damaging in terms of your you know uh, ability to earn your living and to be where you are. I mean, it's it's a it's a wild uh, time. I think you're right about that, Michael. That we're sort of at the beginning of a culture. Uh, war and this is i'm glad you brought this uh bill to attention ab 957 out in california we got to run uh michael i'm out of time michael volpe thank you as always anytime thank you for having me yep michael volpe.substack.com i'll put it up on social media we'll take a quick break we'll be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I I started talking about this story yesterday, and it was part and partly because I did get an email from Dan Schneider, who's over at the uh, Media he's a re- Media Research Center's VP of Free Speech America, uh, which is a fantastic uh, <laughs> name for an organization, especially in light of how much is going on. And 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 the, the conversation we've been having is um, the weaponization of the federal government. But we have, you know, another example of this. And the example is, of course, that um, 
uh, Matt Taibbi was, uh, and he's a lefty. I've read him for years. He's not a conservative. People like what he's doing over at the Twitter files. He's been a, a journalist there. He's been working on those stories and, and it's been extraordinary to follow. And I think, um, but he's not a, a conservative. He's not somebody you'd see. Well, he was testifying before Congress and lo and behold, a visit to his home by the an IRS agent, or more than one, maybe. And uh, so Dan Schneider said he'd come on and talk about this. He works on free speech. He's uh, MRC.org, by the way. MRC.org is where you can go and check out what they call themselves as America's media watchdog. So welcome, Dan. How are you? Hey, Ed. Thanks a lot for having me. Doing, doing great, except for the fact that the radical left is trying to shut us down. Yeah, well, other than that, it's going great. But here's the thing. Didn't you expect, I mean, don't you kind of expect after Lois Lerner and the Obama administration, a high-level IRS official, it was shown that she was targeting Tea Party groups, that they would, I don't know, at least be a little subtle? I mean, on the day Matt Taibbi is testifying, they show up at his house. Is there is there an explanation for this? There is. You have asked the right question. Okay. Things were very different in the Obama administration when Lois Lerner was trying to secretly shut down conservative <laughs> outlets. But they, the goal here is not to be secret. The goal here is to intimidate. They are, you know, Matt Taibbi isn't even the target of this. The target is people like you. The target is people like, like uh, your, your listeners and, and the MRC folks. They are trying to send a message, a chilling message. You cross us, we cancel you. You, if you step over the line, we step on you. There is a clear message that the IRS and deep state and the entire Biden administration, all the cancel culture people, you know, you are to be sheep. You're to be sheep led to the slaughter, nice and quiet and serene. But if you start to speak up, we are going to clobber you publicly. We're going to hurt you. That's the message that's being sent to America today. Well, and you know, the interesting thing about your answer, and I didn't set it up this way, I was just kind of ranting a bit. And let me be clear again, uh, if you go to Free Speech America on MRC, MRC Newsbusters is one of the key, newsbusters.org, go there, you'll see Free Speech America uh, is the effort uh, that Dan heads up, and it's got a lot there. If this is your issue that really gets you focused, there's lots of articles there, there's even some videos, you've got um, uh, folks, Sensor Track, um, uh, which is a video uh, series, so check that out again, Newsbusters dot org uh, slash uh, uh, free speech but you bring up an important point because normal people are not um, going to uh, miss the message I-, I suppose Matt Taibbi first of all I think he makes a great living as a journalist he's been successful he's an established guy but if you're Joe Sixpack who has a blog or uh, does a video and is frustrated the message in this case is um, we're gonna we're gonna send someone to check you out and the real trick here and Dan this is where I want to ask you does it work in your opinion does it work I'll tell you there there were similar tactics used in the Obama, uh, the Obama administration uh-huh. where um, major donors to conservative causes would would suddenly get investigated by the EPA and you know I was hoping that um, these donors and then smaller donors around America would rally behind us to fight back against EPA. And just the opposite happened. Everybody, everybody went into their caves. They were afraid of being investigated by the EPA. They were f- afraid of the IRS shutting them down. And, and they got scared. You know, but Ed, you and I are both people of faith. Yeah. We believe our rights come from God. 
right. is a calling that we have to protect the things that God has given us. All of your listeners, we must not cower like sheep. We must not hide in caves. It is our calling, our duty to protect the rights that God has given us. We must not stand by and let you know these authoritarian thugs take those rights away from us. Uh, we're talking with Dan Schneider. He's the Media Research Center's VP of Free Speech America. Um, Dan, uh, I agree with you, especially how we, you got to that point, meaning men and women of faith, you believe in expression as a part of the human person. You believe in the human person as as essentially the, the gift, the, the first and primary gift of God. Um, everything else comes after it. Whether you, if you love the earth, that's wonderful. The earth is here to serve humans, right? We got this sort of human anthropology. Um, the problem is America's founding and our our starting point, and 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 I fear it will be an ending point if it's gone. Is, is a sort of trust and a trust that understands that it's, there is something to being honorable, that, that God is watching you if you're a liar and you break a, a contract. So in America, when you sign a contract, people know our system has trust. If you go to Indonesia where I lived or go to a third world country, contracts, eh, they might work because they lie to each other as a part of the culture. What happens when we're living in a, in a, in a culture that has so driven trust out of our relationships? It, it makes it awfully difficult to have confidence in, in doing what you say. And it's sort of like, I know you're not supposed to, but I might just put my light under that bushel basket with my family and take care of me, myself, and my kids and wife. Yeah. Well, you know, that trust that you're talking about ultimately rests on an understanding of truth. Mm. That's, that's where the left and the right have a massive divide, bigger than any time before, because, you know, it, it, look, it's not a surprise that conservatives tend to be people of faith. And liberals tend to be people of non-faith. People of faith, you know, we start with an idea of truth. There's transcendent truth. And, you know, our little peon brains have a hard time understanding God's truth, but we are pursuing that truth, trying to understand that truth every day. If you're a person of non-faith, then truth is whatever you decide it is today. Right. But then you've got the, the, the truth police, the minister of truth, you know, by the radical left. And they dictate what, how you're supposed to live your life. You have to check in with the minister of truth every day to know whether you know, pronouns are appropriate today or whether gender <laughs> is appropriate today. And if, and if anybody crosses the minister of, the, of truth, they get sacrificed. And we have got to stand up to that regime. It's um, again, Dan Schneider is our guest and uh, he's over at the uh, Media Research Center. Uh, uh, that's a good, again, good segue. I, I'm a fan, of course, of MRC because you stand up uh, for the truth so much broadly across a lot of different uh, of the platforms, but over especially at news, newsbusters.org on the free speech front where Dan is uh, a, a vice president or he's a pre- vice president of the organization and heads up the free speech America uh, effort. Um, you know, I know the story of Catherine Engelbrecht. She yeah. was targeted for starting a group under the Obama administration, and they didn't bankrupt her, but they got close. They they didn't destroy her, but they destroyed. Uh, they, they they hurt her deeply in in terms of her relationships and friends. I mean, it's an incredible thing, and she's a pretty heroic figure to me. So I see her and think she turned all that challenge into a success. Um, but 
What have we learned about how to fight back against this? I know Congressman Jim Jordan, uh, chairman of the Judiciary Committee, sent a letter, wants an investigation, is probably going to pursue it. But wh- what do we know about how we can fight back and succeed? It's it's one thing to recognize that some people are martyrs and, and point that out and celebrate them. But we also want to try to <laughs> prevent the killing if we can. I mean, what what do we know about what we've learned and can expect and should demand from uh, leaders when they see and, 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 and understand what's happening. Yeah, you may remember better than I do. I think Catherine had three, maybe even four different federal agencies coming after her. Right. It was the IRS, it was the ATF, and, and, Depart- and OSHA, the Department of Labor. There were at least three, maybe more, that were attacking her and trying to destroy her. And she fought back. She testified before Congress. She wrote op-eds. Uh, and she is a great example of you must not sit on, you know, lay down on the road and get run over. You know, you've got to fight back. And uh, obviously, one way to do it is to vote. You know, make sure that you're an informed voter and you're voting for people who are going to defend ideas of America. But the, uh, you know, among our first rights reflected in our in the Bill of Rights is the right to speak. You know, people need to stand up and speak. We we see people going to school board meetings and speaking up. And uh, again, some people are paying a price for that, but they, but we, collectively, we all have to fight back. We've got to speak up. We've got to stand up. We've got to write op eds and we have to vote. Uh, Dan Schneider, um, the, uh, the likelihood of legislation on the free speech front that could control, uh, that could control, holy cow, excuse me, that, that's my kids changed my ringer on my phone. I now have a choo-choo train. Um, and Dan, uh, that could, legislation that could help control the, um, I call it the narrative machine, Dan. I call it narrative machine is big government working with big media and big tech to to push a narrative that is just not true. It, what's what's your sense of how I know one you describe it. And again, MRC.org, you, you fight back by getting the truth and spreading the truth and being out there. But um, what, what is there legislation at the at the federal level or even state level that can can that can contain and control the damage of these liars? Well, yeah, the. Big tech is probably a bigger culprit in this than legacy media. Yeah. Um, okay. And yes, uh, Jim Jordan and Kathy Morse Rogers, the two chairmen of the relevant committees, they're working on legislation to reform what is known as Section 230, which, you know, and that's, you know, that's a boring term, but that gives immunity to these big tech platforms to lie. Uh, and, you know, yes, this this immunity was given, granted back in 1996. And I kept on back in 96, I kept on hearing these conservative members of Congress and liberals saying you have to nurture and protect the Internet while it's in its infancy. You know, these big tech firms are now the biggest publicly traded corporations in world history. If you if you combine the four biggest tech firms, mm-hmm. Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google, if you could, their market capitalization would make them the fourth largest country on the planet hmm. in terms of GDP. They are wow. massive. They are bigger than Japan, than the entire economy of Japan. Wow. They're bigger than the entire economy of Germany and Italy. You know, we, they are not in their infancy any longer. They don't need to be nurtured and protected like they are little infants. You know, they are trying to kill us. 
The, these big tech platforms hate freedom. They hate democracy. They hate free markets. And they are trying to kill us. And mm-hmm. we've got to, we've got to fight back. We, you know, Jim Jordan, Kathy Morris Rogers is going to be introduced in legislation. I hope it's going to be in, in April. Uh, but that's just one of many, many steps we have to engage in. Um, but legacy media too. We've got, you know, legacy media. Of course, they pick the, the stories and they characterize the stories and they always make us sound like the bad guys. Um, but we all have to fight back. Well, Dan Schneider, first of all, thank you for getting out there yourself and uh, being out there. Media Research Center's Vice President of Free Speech America, Dan Schneider, uh, MRC.org. And I'll put up a link to uh, uh, Newsbusters. Uh, Newsbusters has a the Free Speech America uh, thing. That, By the way, I like that uh, podcast. A couple of uh, women, the girl's name is Peyton. The woman's name is Peyton. Uh, she does Censor Track, and she has some great interviews, including uh, that Vivek Ramaswamy, a uh, guy running for president, who's really great on, on a lot of issues and talking about them, but especially this one. So thank you, Dan, for the time, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Ed. All right, Dan Schneider, everybody. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, a lot more, and I'll put all those links, as I mentioned up there, uh, on uh, the uh, my social media and in the podcast so that you can get to all these different uh, sources. And don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Uh, sign up for my daily email. I'll include the links in that also uh, in my daily email. I can assure you this is a big issue. So uh, we'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The year 2013 marked the removal of gender identity disorder from the fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. The disorder was reclassified as gender dysphoria and moved out of the section on sexual disorders and into a new category of its own. All of this was done in order to be less stigmatizing to people claiming to be transgender. This reasoning makes one wonder why anything should be considered a disorder if we don't want to stigmatize people. Justifiers of this political move would point to two Dutch studies which form the foundation of so-called gender-affirming care for minors. These studies found that children with gender dysphoria who receive hormone therapy and genital mutilating surgery have improved overall mental health. Unfortunately for the left's narrative on this, a report by the Society for Evidence-Based Gender Medicine soundly debunked these two very flawed studies. The report, titled The Myth of Reliable Research in Pediatric Gender Medicine, could be summarized in two primary points which highlight how these Dutch studies would not stand up to the rigors of modern scientific publishing standards. First, the studies exhibited an extraordinary amount of selection bias. The initial pool of 196 participants was narrowed down to 70 to remove any child who did not have a healthy family life or had other developmental problems. However, those without healthy families and with a great deal of psychological turmoil leading up to the gender dysphoria make up an overwhelming majority of those seeking hormonal and surgical treatment. Second, these studies do not implement the controls which lend considerable academic integrity to modern scientific research. The children and families in the Dutch studies received ongoing psychotherapy throughout the process, which is probably a good thing considering the unnatural torment they were going through. However, it begs the question of whether the hormones and surgery caused the change or the therapy. Either way, the unscientific nature of these biased studies prove that no doctor should be claiming that there is scientific foundation for genital mutilation of minors. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The traditional family is the building block of our communities and country. That's why it's imperative to support strong marriages, respect fathers, and champion stay-at-home moms. At phyllisschlafly.com, we oppose the liberal attempt to redefine the family. To join us, visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I just got less than a minute to finish up. I went long on both those interviews. Uh, let me just uh, remind you uh, a couple of things. ProAmericaReport.com, if you go there, you can get all of these interviews as standalone segments. Um, you could also do a search on any of the um, uh, any of the relevant podcasting uh, companies and all that, you know, um, SoundCloud and others, and you can find the whole show as a podcast, uh, but especially standalone links. Go to my Twitter feed, at Eagle Ed Martin, at Eagle Ed Martin. You'll see all of these standalone um segments interviews and others and all these great authors you can get them there and share them with others if you will that will help at eagle ed martin is my twitter feed uh phyllisschlafly.com is our organization's headquarters and pro america report for proamericareport.com uh for what we're doing here all right thank you as always to noah dingley the great producer ryan Hyde, associate producer we'll be back tomorrow it's ed martin here on the pro america report thank you for listening talk to you then America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.